It's like a monster sword. I was supposed to, I was supposed to take it off of the uh, thing here. Sister Mary Favors gave me this as a Christmas present, I think last Christmas, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it was this Christmas. She gave it to me in July. But uh, uh, this, this thing is like really, really massive. And, uh, and Jason's going to take it around and, and let you, if you want to pick it up, you can actually pick it up. I, he, he, I was supposed to take it off of this plaque, but I was kind of like afraid that somebody might, you know, just take a whack at it, uh, at somebody playfully. So I thought we better leave this thing on. <laughs> but can you imagine like David's, you know, little hands uh, grabbing this thing and just finishing, finishing Goliath off? This thing is like really massive. It's, it's made of well, you'll see it if you pick it up. It's pretty heavy. So Jason's going to take it around, and you're welcome to pick it up. Please don't drop it and disturb my sermon, because then I'll have to start over. So, <laughs> uh, so that's really great. Nice little object lesson. So if you will, just for a few minutes, because we want to hear from Tim, and we have some more music. First uh, Samuel 17, 45, here's what it says real quick as we're moving down the line. Next week, we will take a, a little digression from spiritual warfare because we're going to have some recitals, hopefully a couple uh, poems, and uh, our choir is going to be doing a Christmas concert next week. So next week, I'm only going to just talk for like maybe two or three minutes on on something that I thought was interesting. I shared it with Marie this morning, uh, but I but I for our Christmas message, rather than having a Christmas sermon, I just want to read to you guys about two people that kind of get forgotten in the whole Christmas narrative. One is Anna, who was 80 four years old, I believe, when she got to witness Jesus' birth. And the other is Simeon. These two cats just kind of like, they get left out. But Anna and Simeon, to me, are unsung heroes. And we're going to make sure that we reintroduce them in, in terms of uh, the Christmas narrative because Anna and Simeon found in St. Luke chapter 1. You'll find some very interesting reading. Okay, so just really quick this morning, because we're going to be a few minutes. We have a, a long day. 1 Samuel 17, 45 says, Then David said to the Philistine, <clears throat> You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. And you know, it's not like the enemy. The enemy comes at us with everything he has. He throws the whole kitchen sink at us. I mean, I mean, seriously, John 10, 10 says, for the enemy, for the thief, the thief, the, the, the Lord refers to the devil as a thief because here's why he's considered a thief, because he tries to rob us and steal from us. He tries to steal our joy. He tries to steal our testimony. He tries to steal our peace of mind. He tries to steal our, our contentment in God. He tries to steal our joy. He tries to steal our, our, our comfort and our strength. He even tries to steal, he, he tries to take away from us our salvation. He makes us think that we're not saved. He, thinks that, he makes us think that we can lose our salvation. The thief cometh, John 10, 10, the thief cometh but to steal, to kill, and destroy. But boy, oh boy, the Lord doesn't leave it there. There's good news. There's good news. I mean, Tiff sang about it. You know, Tiff sang about the good news this morning. The good news is that Jesus comes to give us what? He comes that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. Amen. So, so, so here's what it says. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just cut to the chase here. It says, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. 
This day, David, you know, it's amazing because David didn't, he, this was not a prophecy. This was not future, futuristic. David was really making a proclamation that could not be negotiated. He said this day. So basically, there was no way someone could say, well, he was speaking, and you know, he was speaking using an allegory or he's using some sort of uh, prophetic instrument or he was like basically talking about something that might happen in the future. It was a hypothetical or it was an analogy. No, this is real. He said, this day, he says, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. So he basically had to use that thing that Jace has. He just said, I'm not going to just kill you with the stone. I'm cutting your head off, dude. This is like we're going total nuclear. We're just uh, take, taking him completely out. There will be no doubt about it that Goliath is dead, right? I talked about that last week. I won't be redundant, but I just wanted to point that out. He says, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines. He's actually prophesying that I'm not going to just kill you. The armies of Israel is going to kill all your people, all your com comrades. They're going to take them all out. He says, I'm going to cut, cut your head off, and I'm going to feed your bodies to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is God, a God in Israel. And, and Grace, and I'll, I'll answer that after I'm done here. And all that this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with the sword and spear. Here's the key. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. That, that's, the, that's really our encouragement this morning. Our battles, our, our challenges, our, our, our temptations, our trials, our tribulation, Sister Janice, the battle is the Lord. This is the Lord's fight. This is the Lord that's dealing with this stuff. We are, yeah, I know we're here on the ground, as they say, boots on the ground, but God is from the air. God is orchestrating this entire war. This entire warfare is God's doing. God is pulling the strings. He's the puppet master. He's in charge of everything that's going on down here on earth. Are you all with me? He's in charge of this. So listen to this. Here, here's the point. When the Philistine arose, I'm in verse 48 of 1 Samuel 17. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, the Bible says, you hear me, Sister Rosie? The Bible says David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. Isn't that amazing? Drop down, drop down to verse 51. The Bible says, then David ran. Drop down to verse 52. It says, all the men of Judah and Israel rose with a shout and ran or pursued the Philistines. I, I'm, I'm, the reason I'm pointing all this out is that David ran to the battle. He ran to finish Goliath off. The, the Israelites ran to finish off the Philistines. There was no passivity here. They weren't walking. They weren't reluctant. They weren't trying to find their way. They made an affirmative, positive, intentional point to run to the battle and end it right there. Because when victory is yours, which Lisa's going to sing about here in a minute, when victory is yours, you run to the battle because you know the outcome already. You run because you know the result. If you knew you were going to ace a test, would you worry about, would you, would you really worry about the questions that's going to be on the test? If you knew you had an ace already, 
You knew you had it. Hey, well, if you knew you won the battle, you would run to it because you want to, hey, let me just get this over with. Because this is a done deal. The fight is fixed. It's over. We win. And we win. The same thing for us. So the three L's. Here's why this was possible. And I'm going to sit down. The three L's. Here they are. Ready? Write it down. Learn it. Leverage it. Live it. David learned what he needed to know. He leveraged his experience, his past victories from the bear and the lion, which I'll talk about in a second, and he lived it. He showed God glory through praise and worship, and that was the secret sauce for his faith. That's what made him successful. He wasn't such a great warrior. That wasn't the reason that he won. He wasn't because he was a warrior or a fighter or a shepherd boy or the son of Jesse or any of that stuff from the tribe of Jews. It wasn't any of those things. It was because he learned to trust God because God won the battle. David just happened to be the vessel. Amen? David was the instrument. So here's number one, the first L. He learned it. I wrote down here, he learned the power of praise back on the field, taking care of the sheep when he was playing the harp, playing the music unto the Lord, writing these psalms. He learned back then the word of God. He learned the words of God, and he recognized that it's not me, it's God. He's the one that's going to work through me. The Bible says here in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20, that believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. It says, believe his prophets and you will succeed. You believe in God's word. It says he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, here's what they were to sing or say, for people like me that don't have a voice, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And listen to this. And when I'm in verse 22 of Second Chronicles 20, are you all with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? All right. Okay. Verse 22 of chapter 20 of Second Chronicles says, and when they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushment, set an ambush in the King James. Uh, set in, the, in this particular translation, it says he set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah so that they were routed. Watch how the sequence of events went. First, they listened to the Lord's message. They obeyed the Lord's message, and they praised the Lord. And when they did, the Lord annihilated. Listen, he wiped out their enemies. What's the message to us on Sunday, December 17th, 2023? When we read the Lord's word, when we read it and believe it, when we believe it, then God takes over and he deals with our issues. He deals with our adversary. Are you all listening? He deals with our problems. He deals with our finances. He deals with our family. He deals with our employer. He deals with our neighbors. He deals with our kids, our spouses, our loved ones. He deals with our broken down car. He deals with the plumbing in our house. He deals with the issues with our landlord. He deals with our mortgage payment. He deals with our health. He deals with our education, our grades, our strength, our mindset, our depression, our mind, our mental state of mind. He deals with everything that would raise itself up against us. Nothing is out of limits for God. So number one, number one, we live it. We, we learn it, rather. Number two, we leverage, and that is the Lord told David to tell Saul, here is the reason you can beat Goliath. 
You can beat Goliath because when you were out on the South 40 watching the sheep, you all with me? You're out on the back 40 watching the sheep, a lion attacked. Lions can weigh anywhere from 300 to 550 pounds or larger. A bear attacked. Bears can weigh even more. Bears are vicious. One slap of the paw can kill you instantly. There was no room for error. The Bible says, the Bible says that when a lamb, when a lion or a bear would take a lamb, that David would, David would actually go and retrieve the lamb from the lion's or bear's mouth unscathed. I don't even know how he did that. I'm sorry. I mean, you would think that the bear or the lion would just go in and finish the lamb off and then finish off David. Somehow he was able to extract these animals, these precious, tender, defenseless animals from this ferocious predator, set the animal in safety. By the way, he left the other ones unguarded while he went to deal with this so reminiscent of the shepherd who left the 99 to go after the one, right? Shows how important we are. The guy would leave the 99 to come after us and rescue us. Why? Because he came to seek and save that which was lost, according to Luke 19. So he goes after us. David would put the other flock aside and go and retrieve the lamb from the lion or bear's mouth. And then if the lion or bear rose up against him, the Bible says he would grab it, kill it, almost, almost, you would think that he was almost doing it bareheaded. Maybe he had a spear, maybe he had a club, but however he did it, he certainly didn't have a gun. Would any of you guys go near a bear or lion with anything short of a double bear sawed-off shotgun? Would any of you go near one? Other than an AK-47 or a Uzi, would you go near a bear or lion with any other weapon? I, I certainly wouldn't go. I certainly wouldn't go near a bear or a lion with just this. I mean, it looks, it feels pretty authentic, but I need to be further away. I need to kill these bad boys from a distance. I don't need to be this close, because if I miss, I'm only going to get one shot. Give me a gun where I could be 40 yards away. <laughs> I mean, David is a bad dude. So he went after, retrieve the lion, to retrieve the lamb from the lion or bear's mouth, right? And then he killed the lion or he killed a bear. That's a dude that's either he is completely a sociopath and needs mental and psychiatric counseling, or he is a mighty man of faith and trusted God and recognized that the battle belonged to the Lord, not to David. Here's my final point. Here's my final point. I, 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 lo I love the fact that David used his past history as a means to give him courage he leveraged that past those victories to give him courage for the future matter of fact matthew 25 says well done thou good and faithful servant thou has been faithful over a few things i'll make you rule over many when the lord gives us the ability to be victorious over little things then god elevates us and gives us strength to be victorious and successful over bigger obstacles See, he wasn't ready maybe for Goliath when he was out in the field, but he was learning with the sheep. He was learning his strength. He was building his courage. He was building his faith. He was going through these baby steps, learning how to take care of simple things, simple animals. 
He got that down packed. When he got that down, the Lord elevated. Okay, if you can take care of the lamb and sheep and keep them from ferocious predators like bears and lions, now you're ready for a two-legged animal in the name of a nine-foot-nine-inch Goliath who also had an armor bearer that was probably taller and bigger than David. But the Bible says the battle wasn't David's. The battle was the Lord. It doesn't matter what. David could have been six years old. God is the one that fought the battle. God is the one that won the battle. He didn't even need the slingshot. Amen? In 2 Chronicles, they didn't even need a slingshot. There was no weapons fired. The Bible says all they did was sent the singers, the choir out in front of the army, and they sang, the Lord is good and the Lord is faithful. And Let me just tell you exactly what they sang again because I thought it was just so good. Here's all they sang. They went out in front of the army and they sang praises that the, uh, before, before the people which said, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. That was the song they sang. And the Bible says the men of Seir and Ammon and Moab started fighting themselves and wiped themselves out. Self-annihilation, self-destruction. Don't you tell me that the Lord won't make the enemy self-destruct before your eyes when you start praising him and giving him thanks. You recognize him. Listen to me this morning. You recognize who God is and what he can do, that this fight is fixed, that this battle has been won, that the victory has been accomplished, and we're just waiting for the fulfillment of it. You go in the light. You deal with life on the basis that we are already victorious. You all hear me? This thing is fixed. Goliath never had a chance. The devil never had a chance. He doesn't have a chance then. He doesn't have a chance now. The last thing, the last thing, God just says, I said that he lived for God's service. Here's what I love about this particular passage. And uh, I I put in my notes regarding David playing, playing the evil spirits would leave Saul I thought about this, and I said, when you're in God's service, God even allows the enemy to leave people alone that's in your atmosphere, that's in your path. He even clears the path for those around you. The, the, the Lord had nothing to do with Saul at all. He had already taken his spirit from Saul. He was abandoned. But because of David's presence... It had a sanctifying power. It had a purging power. So David would come around, and David would praise the Lord. David would give thanks. So he, as a result, the Lord would sort of cleanse his environment. So he made Saul okay. I'm sure the people that were in the hall were okay. The people that were around the king were okay. Anybody in that atmosphere, anybody within the sound of David's voice, the sound of his heart, were blessed by the presence of the Spirit of the Lord who came and just purged the area. When you pray, listen, the Bible even says that the prayers of a wife will will sanctify her husband, that when wives pray, you pray. Husbands, you pray. Mothers, you pray. Fathers, you pray. When you are praying, the Lord will not only hear your prayer, but he'll bless those in your scope. He'll bless those in your sphere. He'll bless those around you. That effect, that sanctifying impact is just contagious and just blesses those that are in your sphere. 
God is real. God is good. God is good. I put in, I put finally as I close with the Monday morning moment that we should have an attitude of going toward our challenges because God already has granted us victory. Here's what it says in James. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. Are you all with me? You resist the devil, the Bible says, he does the running. He will flee from you. Daniel eleven thirty two. the people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The word exploits there in the Hebrew means that they will take preemptive action that results in success. Marcus, can you just play this 59-second clip real quick, and then I'm going to sit down. Play this 59-second clip. You guys have seen this clip before when I taught about Benaiah chasing down the lion in the, in the pit on a snowy day. Here it is, here it is again. Here it is again, I want you to see it again because it talks about running. Chasing the lions. The Bible tells you, you chase the lions in your life. If you look at what it says here, if God, Romans 8:31, if God be for us, who can be against us? John 1, 4, 4, 1 John 4, 4. He, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I love this because this is about Benaiah in 2 Chronicles 20. You can read this whole backstory behind this little one-minute clip. But the whole point was is that the Bible says in one sentence that this guy, Benaiah, wasn't even in David's top three most fierce warriors. There were 27 guys of David's top 30 that was even more courageous and tougher than this dude. And all this dude did, all he did, by the way, all he did to get in David's army was chase a lion down into a pit on a snowy day and kill the lion. The Bible doesn't even say he had a spear or a club. In this video, we see a spear. I believe he could have done it with his bare hands. If God is with you, why do you need a weapon? The weapons of our warfare are spiritual. The weapons of our warfare are invisible. Amen? But I just the reason I wanted to show you the clip again, because I showed it to you when I taught St. Chronicles, is because I wanted you to see that it's all God has us doing the chasing. We have the power. We're not the ones that's running from the devil. We're not running from a fight. We're not running from the enemy. The enemy doesn't own us. There should be no fear. Perfect love casts out all fear, the Bible says. There should be no reason we're running from the enemy. Whatever problems we're going through, God has given us victory. He saw this before it came. He saw it before he started. He saw our victory and our success before it started. So our job is to go at it and say, okay, let's do this. Let's get it on. Dude, chase the lion down in the pit. See, when the lion went in the pit, 
I would have went that direction. If that's the pit, that's where. <laughs> the fact that the Lord opened the pit and the lion went in, it was, that would be my style. Like, okay, God gave you victory. Dude, go. That's, that's, that's your sign, right? That's your sign. No, Benaiah, look him up in 2 Chronicles 20, goes in the pit on a snowy day when his footing is uncertain and fights a lion in a closed space. Man, oh, man. I, I'll tell you, I have a long way to go to be like these cats. That just shows me that our faith has room to improve, does it not? Now, you may say, well, why was he chasing a lion to begin with? Well, lions were predators. The Bible says in Peter that your enemy, your adversary, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. When you have a lion in the camp, he's not only killing animals like sheep and lamb and goats, he's also going after two-legged creatures, children, your pets, adults. Everybody is a sitting duck. You can't have a lion in the midst. You can't allow a lion to roam free in the camp. This lion was a menace. He had to be taken out, right? How many of y'all go volunteer to take him out? <laughs> well, see, that's what Benaiah said. Somebody had to do it, right? Somebody had to do it, lest he terrorize the entire village forever. Have you seen these shows on Discovery? Have you seen a lion's appetite? Dude eats 30, 40 pounds of meat in one sitting. He's not, he's not very easily satisfied. So Benaiah went after him. David went after the, the wolves and the foxes and the lions and the bears that attacked his flock. We're to go after our adversaries because God has already promised us victory. Are you encouraged? Do you feel a little bit better about what's coming at you this week? I ain't talking about going to Macy's and Target and going shopping to Amazon.com. I ain't talking about those kind of adversaries. I'm talking about real adversaries. <laughs> Amen. Our health, our welfare, our family, our work, our, our, our abode, you know, our, our covering, those things are where the enemy will try to distract us and to to attack us, we have victory there. Amen? Be encouraged. The Monday morning moment is simply this. The more, I said it last Sunday, I'll say it again. The more we grow spiritually, the bigger God will become in our lives. And the bigger God gets, the smaller our adversary, our adversary becomes. If God is big, the enemy is small. If God grows up in us, the enemy shrinks. If God grows up in us, we're more emboldened, more encouraged to go for it, Right? Let's pray. Lord, may this sermon, may it bless us. May it encourage us to chase lions in our lives. Lord, may it encourage us to chase the enemy out of our lives. May it encourage us not to shrink to a fight, not to, not to give in, not to give up, and not to be discouraged because you're able to do all things but fail. You're able to do according to Ephesians 3.20, exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, Lord. Help us to realize that we have this dunamis power, this dynamite in us, racing through our veins, giving us the strength to be overcomers, giving us the strength to be victorious. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Let's sing, Lisa.